so I've been told I have eight minutes. I have notes and I have pictures, so hopefully I can keep you engaged for eight minutes. Um, so I was um, away about for the past six months. I had the privilege of being able to go overseas to England, Thailand, and then followed by Vietnam um, with YWAM, which stands for Youth with a Mission. Ah, perfect. So YWAM, the purpose of it is to know God. So you have three months of lecture phase where you basically spend time digging into the word of God and knowing him more personally yourself. And then you go out on outreach to make God known. Um, so we'll go to the next slide. So like I said, in the start, I got to um, travel all the way to England for three months. And during lecture phase, as it sounds, we spent a lot of time doing lectures and learning from people all over the world who would travel to England and speak on their experience of different topics like God the Father, um, the Son, Holy Spirit, spiritual warfare, different things like that. So we would be studying every day, but we would also be participating in local outreach and ministry in England while we were there. Um, and along the time while we were basically studying and making or knowing God ourselves, we were also preparing to go and make God known for two months on our outreach portion. So I found out early on that I was going to Thailand and I was really excited about that. But then actually right before we left for Thailand, our team was surprised by a last minute discovery. We were also going to Vietnam. Um, so we could go to the next slide, perfect. Um, so yeah, first stop was to go to Thailand. And actually, before we went to go on our outreach, we collectively as a team, there were 18 of us um, students and six of us staff at the base that I was at. And we were actually 15,000 pounds, so not dollars, but British pounds, um, short of being able to go on our outreach um, for each of the people. And we had one day where we all gathered together in this one room and we just prayed for an hour and a half that God would provide finances. And people called different people and collectively as a team, by the end of that hour and a half, every single pound plus an additional 500 pounds was covered for our entire team. So it was amazing that before we even left to go on our outreach to Thailand and Vietnam, we saw God um, doing miracles and providing things that we needed as a team. So then, um, yeah, first stop was going to Thailand. And in Thailand, for those of you who do not know, I'm sure lots of you have heard from Matthew and Allison, it is a Buddhist country. And so it was actually amazing to be a part of their culture and be accepted into the schools to just openly share the gospel. So we got to go to different school ministries, um, speaking in universities and doing different football programs. And we had amazing opportunities where teachers would just say, come in and tell us about your Jesus. And so we were like full force in it, preaching the gospel. And it was an amazing opportunity to see how open they were to wanting to receive the hope that we had. So we'll go to the next slide. So in the second half of Thailand, we went up to the mountains. Um, there's a place called the Golden Triangle where um, Thailand, Laos, and Burma all meet. And we were actually able to do some Bible distribution while we were up there. We raised money for just over like a thousand Bibles. So to basically hand out door to door. So we would walk, literally just walk down the streets. Each of us, like small groups, had a translator. And we would just yell like, hello, can we come in? And they'd just welcome us into their house, usually give us tea um, or a little snack. And we would just give them a Bible and share Jesus with them. Um, and it was amazing how they'd just receive us and be so open and wanting the hope again that we had. So while we were having that time up in, up in the mountains and near the Golden Triangle, we got to do work with refugees as well from Burma. So we got to do that for a couple of days and work with um, some of the refugees who were living in poverty. And I think for me, 
that was one of the hardest things to see like the hardships that they'd gone through and the living situations that they were in. But at the same time, as you can tell kind of from that bottom left picture, um, they were so happy. The kids were just like full of joy, huge smiles and so excited to see us. Um, and it made me kind of think, oh man, how many times do I sit and look at my life and think, oh man, my life is so hard and I can't smile. But it's like, yeah, these people are going through so much harder than I can ever imagine, but they have so much joy. Um, and the last thing we did in Thailand while we were up in that area is we were able to um, go around and do some prayer ministry and pray for um, encouragement and healing for some of the people of the church. And I think the highlight of our time in Thailand was we got to go pray for one of the ladies from our church or from the local church there. And she had been suffering from a tumor on the back of her neck and she was not able to stand up or walk um, and she was too dizzy to even sit up. And we all, my entire team laid hands on her and we prayed and sang worship songs for uh, just under an hour or so. And after we'd prayed for her, she just all of a sudden sat up looked around and basically was like, oh, it's cold in here, let me get you blankets. And she just stood up and grabbed his blankets. And we were able to see God miraculously heal this woman from a tumor that had been plaguing her for months. Um, yeah, it was, it was incredible. So it was amazing to see that, again, it wasn't anything of the work that we were doing, but God just wanted to bless us by letting us see some of the ministry he was doing in the people. Um, so we'll go to the next slide. Um, to wrap up my time on outreach, we then spent over a month in Vietnam, and my team loves to laugh. The joke is that we basically slammed the brakes on ministry because we went from a very open country to Vietnam as a closed communist country. So we got there and we're like, hey, give us the schools, give us the people, let us tell them about Jesus. And they're like, you can't do any of that. Um, and so I think the biggest thing we learned there was that people, at least I find in my life and people I've talked to say that the last thing that we often come to is prayer. And it seems like the, the phrase we often say is, oh, all we can do is pray, or we can just pray, or at least we can pray. And I feel like, at least in my life, I've often grown up thinking, okay, if we can't practically do something, then I guess we'll have to go to prayer. And in this situation, it had to totally flip our mindset, being that actually, no, the most powerful thing we could do was prayer. So we started out with prayer, and we would do prayer burns three hours long, six hours, 12 hours. It totally depended. And after that, we'd go on the streets and just pray God would give us an opportunity to talk to somebody. Um, and actually, through a lot of our prayer, we were able to have amazing conversations with people, just meeting up for coffee with different people or talking to university students. And the picture in the lake up in the corner, um, what was amazing is we were told by our contact that basically YWAM schools for years past have not been able to do per se anything but pray. But they would walk around these two lakes and just pray every single day that God would be eventually bringing a harvest. And we actually saw someone come to Christ during our time in Vietnam, which was amazing. And it was like, there was no way that wasn't because of the power of prayer that God had been doing in that nation and in that area. So it was incredible to see that coming out of the prayer. But every time we prayed, that's when we would see results, um, which was really encouraging. So I'll go to the next slide. So at the very end of our time in Vietnam, just like in Thailand, we went up to the mountains. Um, we basically took a seven-hour drive of my life through the mountains. We thought we were going to die. It was crazy, but we made it. Um, and so when we got up there, it was basically just village after village after village of um, people who were basically living, who most of them had never even seen Westerners. Um, and the thought suddenly hit me that, okay, not only have they just not seen Western culture, but there's a high chance hardly any of these people have ever heard the gospel preached to them. Um, and it suddenly hit me just a realization of, 
how many of these people are lost if nobody goes out there to say something? Um, so yeah, we had this amazing opportunity to reach out to some of the villages and the people there that we talked to. Um, and I want to actually end by explaining a quick story of the picture of um, this baby on the right-hand side. So before we left to go way back in England, um, before we left to go on our outreach, we spent a lot of time praying for pictures or dreams or just anything that God wanted to show us about our outreach experience. Um, and I had this, basically a picture that God had given me of me picking up babies and praying for them. And I was like, okay, whatever that looks like, I don't know. And then actually later on that night, I had a dream, a very, very similar dream, but I was in China and I was holding and praying over a baby. And at this point, I knew I was going to Thailand, but not Vietnam. And I thought, okay, obviously there's some mistake because I'm not going to China, God, I'm going to Thailand, but whatever. And so I'd totally forgotten about this dream. And then our last morning actually in ministry in the mountains, I was just awake praying with one of my friends and no joke, someone literally just walked by and dropped a baby in my lap and walked away. And I was like, okay, anyone? <laughs> I didn't know whose baby it was, nothing. And so we just started to pray. And we had heard that there was a lot of um, fear in the people there, that their children would be kidnapped and smuggled across the border. And so we prayed a lot for the children um, and for their safety. So we prayed over this baby girl and we prayed for safety and protection. And my friend suddenly said to me, oh my goodness, do you realize what's happening? I had no idea what she was talking about. But she's like, this is your dream. We're sitting here holding a baby, praying over this baby, and we're literally bordering China right now. Um, and I didn't even realize that, that we were so far up in the mountains. We were like right, like an, in a normal like highway driving distance a few minutes from the border of China. Um, and it was literally like, at that time when I'd had that dream, I didn't even know I was going to Vietnam. And so again, it was God just showing that it's not about what you're doing and it's not the work you're doing, but I will work through you and I will bless the work you're doing. Um, and so ultimately, I think the biggest thing I learned being away is that it really isn't about what I'm doing or it's not about how hard I work or how hard I strive and try to do the best, but it is all about the work that God is doing through me. Um, and I think it was a blessing to be able to see the results, but at the same time, I know that God's gonna continue to work, whether there's, whether there's me there or anyone else there because he is faithful and as we pray and as we pursue him, he will reward that. Um, and so that's basically what I wanted to share with you and I'll just, yeah say thank you, and I don't know if my tie is right. I usually, I basically just use Google Translate, so I could be wrong. <laughs> but that's supposed to be thank you in English, Thai, and Vietnamese. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to thank you all for your prayers and your encouragement and support while I was away. Um, and even, honestly, more important than that is your encouragement coming back. Um, a lot of people, I'm sure anyone who's done missions work before, um, everyone gets told that it's actually the hardest coming back, and I can't even thank you enough for how encouraging you've all been for me coming back here. Um, it's been amazing how many of you have been like, how hard is it for you? How can I pray for you? How can I support you? Um, and it really means a lot. So I thank you so much for being an encouraging church family and just being there for me. Um, and to end, if any of you would ever like to um, know more, I would love to meet with you for coffee or tell you other stories. I'd be glad to do that with you. So thank you so much. again in worship this morning.
Father, we thank you that uh, it was your plan right from the very beginning that um, there would be a house of prayer for all nations so that everyone could come to you. And even though you selected a, a group of people called the Israelites who would be the um, sort of model for the rest of the world to understand that by your grace you select us, you offer us a, a relationship with you despite our sin that is by grace, something that can be received by faith. And uh, we thank you, Lord God, that, that with the coming of Jesus, uh, that door has been opened to everyone. And uh, we now have become the house of prayer. And so, Lord, we, we come to you at this time together, believing that um, we are placed in this strategic position where we are the link with the, the grace and power of heaven uh, to the earth. We are able to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We've been given the authority in the name of Jesus and by his shed blood to pray in this way, Lord. And so, Lord God, we come to you this morning. We thank you that you have taught us to pray to send forth labors. You said the need is great. Even as Jessica shared this morning, there are many, there are millions of people who have never even had the opportunity of hearing of Jesus. And Lord, you turned to your disciples and you instructed them and you instruct us. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth more labors. And so, Lord, we do that. We ask you, God, to raise up more. And, Lord, we ask you to send us forth. We thank you, Lord, for those who've gone out from Chapel Ridge to different parts of the world. Um, they have gone uh, sensing this call to, to step out in faith and and give themselves to this work, Lord. And um, we thank you that you led some to do it on short term, like Jessica, and then there's Mark and Tracy, and and Luke and Leanne, and and uh, we pray that that would continue, Lord. You'd keep raising up different ones to go out in short term missions. And Lord, we think of Jessica, Lord, now that she's back, she's been away now for a few months and, um, and seeking your direction for the future. And so we pray you'd make it very clear to her. Uh, Lord, um, we, we uh, thank you that she is very open to whatever it is you want. And already there are ideas in her heart. And we pray you would continue to confirm those. We thank you, Lord, for Aaron and Eileen 
and how, Lord, you've brought them. Uh, first, you, you, you sent Eileen over to England, and then, then she and Aaron got married, and they felt led to stay in, in uh, London and share the gospel with, uh, particularly with um, Muslim people. And uh, we thank you, God, for how you used them over those years. And now they're back here in Canada, here in Ottawa. And Lord, the, the call is still the same in the sense that they, they've given themselves to share Jesus wherever you lead them. And so we thank you for the missions conference that uh, they helped organize uh, yesterday and, and how you're using them right here in Ottawa. We pray you would continue to make that very clear to them, uh, what it is you've called them to do, and that you'd provide for them, Lord. They've got a big family, and there's lots of needs. So we ask, and you, you've taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. So we pray that you would provide for them. And uh, Lord, we thank you for um, each one that's gone out from here, like uh, Matthew and Allison. Well, Allison, really, and then she brought Matthew back. <laughs> and... Uh, and, Lord, how you're using them right here, right here in Ottawa. And, Lord, we know that the nations have come to Canada. They're right in our backyard, Lord. And we pray that this good news would continue to reach each one, Lord God, that you're drawing even to Canada. Thank you for Sarah Jackson, Lord, and and Lord, uh, we think of her father passing. And um, we thank you, Lord, that as Sarah gave herself to the ministry of being a prayer missionary here in Ottawa, you took care of her family. And you brought them from out east and brought them here to Arm Prior. And, and she was able to care for her family through this time. Just thank you for, for how you, you've done that and pray you would continue to bless her family as she gives herself to you, Lord, and that you would use her to be a catalyst for prayer here in this city and beyond, Lord. Continue to provide for her too, Lord. Lord, you, you know everyone here today. And um, this is the house of prayer. And here they are with a need on their heart. Some, some may be really, really in pain, um, crying out to you, confused, hurting. I pray that you would Hear their prayers, Lord. And you'd be glorified in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Yeah. It would be good if the mission team comes forward too, and then those dear, precious ones for whom we are going to pray for. So those from the mission team, from the SAS team, if you just can come forward as well and pray with us. Yes. Just a little word for you for and for your children. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. And as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surround you all and your precious families, both now and forevermore. Father, we just really thank you. This is what David was saying to the people. And he could trust you fully. And that we say to our dear ones, Lord, just thank you as Luke and Leon and Mark and Tracy are going out to Guatemala. Thank you that you go before them. And as they are there, you are going to put a wall around their families as well here at home. And we pray, Lord, as they return, they will return rejoicing in the Lord. So we just pray that lives who have not even thought about yourself, Lord, at the end of the journey, will have met you through them. So we bless them in Jesus' name. And Lord, you have promised to go with them all the way till the end of time and the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as the start of Missions Month, it's a, a wonderful time here to like uh, focus on what God has been doing through our missionaries, and we like to do that by giving uh, some time to our missionaries to speak. Uh, next week, you're going to hear Pastor Sean speak. Um, one thing about Pastor Sean, actually, is that he, he has a heart for missions as well, and so that was one of those things when we were interviewing him, we're like, wow, he fits pretty well here at Chapel Ridge with his heart for missions. But I want to introduce, uh, well, probably don't need very much introduction for Aaron Eileen, but welcomed, and also um, at some point, Randy, uh, Aaron's father, will be coming up to join them as well. So give him a warm uh, reception here. This is fabulous. I personally laugh at Pastor Ken when his computer doesn't connect and my computer's not connecting. It's like God is smiting me in front of all of you right here. He's going he's gonna to work on it. Um, most of you we've met. Um, we moved back to Canada at the end of August after being in the UK for about 25 years. Um, I left in the early 90s to go on a summer outreach. So I, w I went to Germany, had a week conference, um, drove across to Turkey, had time there, and our van broke down, and I missed my flight home. So I... I took it home in beginning of September, so that was a very long six weeks. But um, we were going to show you a picture of our family, which is very old. Maybe it'll show up. Um, we do have some prayer cards, if you'd like to see them. It is from February, but it has changed dramatically. Um, Caleb, our eldest, is still in the UK, and he is at university. 
So although he's in the picture, he's not here with us. Um, but some things don't change. Our youngest one is fuzzy because he never sits still unless he's sick or injured. So that doesn't change. And now I'm babbling because I don't have my PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah, so again, it's all gone, okay. So a lot of, yeah, so a lot of you who, who do know us, it's great to see, but it's always, it's a growing church, it's great to see new people. Um, so I'm Aaron, and uh, I married Eileen, who's, like she said, originally from Chapel, Chapel Ridge and went overseas. Um, I grew up as a missionary kid in, uh, in, in Belgium, Sudan, and then England, and then I got, so I was working there and a student when we met. So uh, we, we've say, we felt a real calling to work amongst people from Muslim backgrounds. So that's what we've been doing. So we've, uh, um, those you know a little bit about London, England, it's a, it's, a, it's a large city. It's about 11 million people there in a, in a, in a small about 35 mile circle. So it's quite densely populated. And it's, it's uh, the most cosmopolitan city in the world. I think Toronto is second or third, so Toronto's quite close there, but London even more. They say first language is spoken in the schools of England, about 300 first languages spoken in the schools. So it's a hugely populated and uh, well over 10% um, are uh, from Muslim backgrounds. So it's a, it's a great city to work in, and so we've been uh, had the privilege there to serve and um, I don't know if this is how much is going to come up. But yeah, so we'll be showing you some pictures shortly, just showing a little bit about what we're doing. Um, whilst here in Ottawa now, we came back and felt the Lord calling us back. Uh, we've, uh, um, yeah, I really didn't quite know exactly what all the ministries that we wanted to get involved with when we came back to Ottawa, but really felt that um, we were challenged by a few people. You know, there's a lot of change here in this city, a lot of new um, people groups coming here. And um, we wanted to, they wanted to help encourage some of these ministries. How do they engage with people from Muslim backgrounds? So that's kind of been on our heart. So we didn't know exactly how that was going to take place. But we've been really um, just thrilled to get to, to know some of the ministries here. Friends for Dinner, Hank and Irene are involved with. And we've been getting quite involved with that recently. So are intentionally working alongside the international students. But we're looking at all those from Muslim backgrounds. So we've been hosting meals and stuff um, from those particular people groups groups and had the privilege to um, have quite a few to our house in the last uh, few months and now involved in sort of going back and meeting up with them. Um, I think that's the big thing about missions is uh, it needs to be intentional. Um, you know, and you know, everyone's a missionary. That, you know, we all need to be. But it's it's how do you put the time aside and how do you intentionally engage with people? So that's a lot of what we're we're involved with doing. Um, I don't, I don't want to repeat myself when the slides come up, but uh, yeah. So again, so it's it's really excited. Um, a couple of the ministries we've been involved with. So the, so we looked at there's a there's a, there's a heart for Asia, and they they've been doing a, uh, a so like a, I think a Saturday uh, event every year, and this year. They, they were struggling to try to find people to get involved. So we, we sort of met with the group and we sort of created a team. And so this year was actually called a Heart for Asia and Beyond. So it wasn't just looking at the Asian world, but then looking at other cities. And so we focused then amongst people from Muslim backgrounds. And uh, we put on uh, yesterday, it was quite, I think we had about 111 people coming. Um, about 65 or something stayed for a meal afterwards. So it's got a big full day. Uh, we've had a busy weekend. Um, and um, you know, just really enjoyed that. It was exciting. So different missions were coming together, presenting stuff. And um, yeah, we just were, again, trying to mobilize people here in the city. How can you get involved? How can you reach out and speak um, to, your, to your, you know, your, your Muslim friends, colleagues? And again, just you know, often we, we, we don't quite know how to do that. 
And so it's just trying to give people tools um, in, you know, that they can use um, with that. I share some of the ministries that you're involved with? You just went through my slides. <laughs> he didn't go through his slides, but they'll eventually pop up. Um, I think th the thing with the Heart for Asia and beyond, when um, Bev approached us about coming on the team, it was quite funny because we were like, um, no, because you need a good nine-month lead-up, and that's crazy. That's two months away. But actually, it, it went off without a hitch, and the day was um, a blessing, actually. We weren't sure how it was going to go, and we were linking um, with something that has always been traditionally OMF. And um, we did everything we could to honor the fact that they had invited other people in to be part of it, because it's not something we do in Christian communities as often as we should. And um, I think the day was a huge success. I know that OMF was happy with how it went off. And um, from our side, and I think from our team, Bev's nodding. We all thought it went pretty well. But um, the interesting thing was, um, in the process of, of this couple of weeks, uh, or a couple of months of planning, we actually realized as a group, we, we all do want to be part of something more. So we want to see something happening um, at least yearly within Ottawa that links the various mission organizations and churches as a way of meeting the needs of the, of the Christians in the community, not just the needs of a specific organization or a specific group. Um, so we are, we are very excited that we can say, watch this space. I don't think we can go a lot more than that into it. But um, it has been a huge blessing. When we came in, in September, we didn't know what we'd be doing. And for me, I, I have a quite a specific set of skills. And Aaron's, Aaron's very good at evangelism. I'm usually too direct and doesn't always go as well as it should. Um, <laughs> I need time to build a relationship with people. Um, I don't really do street evangelism and stuff. Um, but actually to find a way quite quickly that I could um, be part of something that I felt I was using my skills was a huge blessing for me. I think we're just going to go on without the slides. One of the things... Do you want this? <laughs> um, <clears throat> one of the things I work on is a project called Transform. And so when I first joined OM, I went on... Um, a com like a campaign that was called Love Europe. And at the time, I think at max, there were 7,000 people joined. We all met in Germany, and we drove across to whatever country you were going to in your team. Um, OM came to a point where it was, it was, the conference was too large, so we segregated into different areas of Europe. And then it became the question of, was there a need to put so much expense into flying people to one location to then send them out? So our teams across the world started um, doing all of their individual training. We found teams that had the ability and the trainers did well, and those that didn't have the skilled staff struggled in that area, and people came to their outreaches and didn't really know what they were doing, and there was a little confusion. So. We, we started with the Mediterranean, with Transform, and it was reaching all the nations in the Mediterranean. So that happened for a few years, and it was, it was great. We were really seeing God work through it, but our European leadership made the decision that we would now focus on specific areas. So this year, we are focusing on um, the Catholic nations, specifically Portugal, Spain, and France. And, oh! There you go. I think we can skip that one now. <laughs> I think it's, so this is actually, this is Transform. So um, 
this is this year's theme is vibrant. We want to be um, a vibrant communities of believers, um, and we want to reach the reach the least reached, which does not mean the nations that nobody goes to. Actually, in Canada, um, you would actually be considered one of the least reached because the amount of people that actually have a conversation about Jesus, the amount of people that that know Jesus, go to church, is actually incredibly low. One of the lowest nations, actually, especially within Western standards. Um, so this year we are working with, um, specifically in these Catholic countries, but the interesting about them is they have the largest um, Muslim intake also, mostly North Africans because of language. So that's something I'll be doing this year, and if anybody wants to join me, you can. So just let me know. I'll give you all the information. feel the need to speed through. The next slide. It's up. It's up. <laughs> this is um, one of the projects Aaron and I work on together is our new recruits conference in the end of August. So this was just one of the main sessions. Um, 480 people come together to send out all the new recruits that will join for the next two years. And we can jump to the next slide, maybe. This is Aaron and his team of bandits, it looks like, actually. Um, they, they kept the conference running from and security and just everything that went wrong they had to fix. So that was fun. So it's Friends for Dinner. This was our Christmas meal. We had three people join us. We had an interesting start with Friends for Dinner. We invited um, some people for Thanksgiving and they never replied and nobody showed up. I was feel a little rejected. It was awkward. Um, didn't know what happened. Then at Christmas, we had a hard time connecting with them. They didn't seem to get our invitation and we, we kept pursuing and, and it worked. They showed up um, and we had a wonderful time. So if we go to the next slide, and then it became easier at Easter, everybody we invited actually responded. I was like, oh, we're getting good at this. Um, but this was the group or at least the majority of the group. We had, we had a good size um, that joined us, and then we invited some Christian friends. My mom came, Bud and Debbie came, Matthew came. <laughs> um, yeah, that was the walk along the river after we ate. Um, we gave them an Easter egg hunt. We had, we had a lot of fun, but it is something that we've enjoyed and has felt like, um, like home for us because we've always had a lot of people in our home, so it was quite nice to have international students again and sort of that part of our life that's normal for us. And then if we do the next slide, this was yesterday, we can jump. So this was uh, just a few shots of yesterday and then the, the bottom right hand here is actually, that's our team. So you can see that we're actually very Chapel Ridge strong. There's, there's five of us, but it's okay. Um, and then we can jump to the next one. So then I'm gonna stay. Okay, so uh, one of the things that uh, is in my heart uh, as here in Canada uh, these next um, few months or years, however the Lord keeps, long, Lord keeps us here, is to continue to encourage people to get involved in short-term missions. And so I've gone back a few times since I've been here in August and taken short-term teams there. Um, and again, I made the challenge yesterday to try to find some people there. Hopefully, we'll, we'll also get involved in another team. So if you're interested in doing a short-term mission, and uh, my father's going to share shortly about a, the church plant that, uh, that he's pastoring there, and that's one that we, we would go be, back, be going back to support. Um, this, is, um, this was in uh, March. So in it, uh, spring, br spring break, I took uh, 14 college students from the States, and we went back to, to work with it. And I was really encouraged. I went back and to see... So this is the Wednesday night Bible study, um, and again, just, you know, it's, it's so 
exciting to see new new faces. I was gone for I think five months or four months, and you know there was five new faces. Just you know, Iranian. I think they're all Iranian. Um, one was an uh, Afghan Iranian thing, but you know, all just turning up and just you know how things are going. And it's it takes months and years to plant, and then just seeing the harvest coming in is very exciting. Um, okay, let's move on. Next slide. Okay, so again, the uh, the best time for, for fellowship is uh, is always food, and so uh, that once a month is we're involved with sort of uh, a meal, and that's always a great time to get people together. It's a small congregation of about. Um, Usually most Sundays would probably be, I think if you got 15, 20, we'd be excited. Um, and then you do food, you get 35 to 45. So it's kind of how it goes. Um, you can really pray. So this is Cena here. This is family at the top corner. So um, being part of a small church, when I took uh, um, our family with five kids away, it kind of took away over half the youth group and the kids. So it's 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 struggled. You can really pray that the youth group, um, they can f find someone to be involved with it, and other families, you know, because it takes a few Christian families who then, you know, see it as a ministry and, and willing to pour into it, to to sort of live alongside it. So at the moment there isn't much happening there, but uh, I called Cena um, just before the church and said, oh, I'm in town, you know, and he, within 20 minutes, you know, there's a 15 year old boy who gets himself dressed and comes to church. I was quite excited to see him, and then went and saw his family on my last day there. We had a meal with his family. They just had their new ba born baby just a few months old. Um, okay, let's move on. Because my time is... Okay, so these are just, again, some of the, so what we did is we, we stayed with in an inner city church, and we worked alongside it, so it was a small church. Um, the church scene in London is quite different. Some of you may think England, thinking, you know, great, you know, churches, big churches, you know, you know why, why missions in London? Well, the, the church is, is um, historically was very large, but after the Second World War, a lot of it died down. A lot of some of the small churches we worked with, remember one of them lost 26 men, you know, under the age of sort of 20, 25, 30 years old. That's a whole next generation disappeared. So a lot of the new churches and the churches that are alive in Britain um, are, are the... Are the um, the new people groups have come to London, so those the missionaries that went out to Africa and stuff, and then they've now come back and they're working there. So the, the largest churches in Britain are actually um, generally black churches, and uh, we had a privilege of, of serving and working with a quite a small struggling one, which is about, I'd say about 20 to 50 people on a good Sunday, and uh, that's where we were working with as well. Okay, next slide. Okay, so if you come to London, we'll also give you a day have a little bit of tourism. You can see things around. Um, next slide. And, and, and actually, this college students, uh, they really, really want to see. So the first half of their day off, we actually went to the British Library, and we were actually just able to see some of the old artifacts and so old um, uh, historical evidence for the Bible, which is quite exciting. So if you're involved in, you know, London's a great place for history. They went around in... in um, uh, Queen Victoria's time, and they they raided Egypt and all these other countries and brought back all these artifacts. But actually, it's quite neat because they're they're well preserved, and uh, it's it's great there to see some history. Okay, next slide. Sorry, I'm going to be rushing a few few. Um, so. Again, we, we get involved in street uh, ministries. So this is a, uh, he calls himself a Californian refugee in Ireland, my friend Mickey. And um, he's a great street preacher. So he comes over. And so part of the short-term missions, we're trying to teach people how do you share your faith? How do you get involved? So we go out to the streets nearby the churches, try to challenge people, and then invite them back to the services. Okay, next slide. There we go. 
that's it. That's, yeah, that's the last one. Okay. Well, sorry, that's it. That's it. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I just want to introduce uh, my father, Randy, who's going to share more about the church plant there. If you'd like to know more about what we're doing here um, or, or how yourself can in engage or if you've got questions of how you can reach out to some of your Muslim colleagues or neighbors, we'd love to talk with you, uh, if you know. And um, so please, we've got some prayer cards out back or we say we're, we're here most Sundays now. But let me turn over to my father. Thank you. Good morning. Give greetings from the Oasis International Church in London, England. That's what they did in the Bible, you know. You bring greetings from one church to another. And we thank you for the years of connection that we've had with this church. And just to let you know that Eileen has been flying the Canadian flag for all the years. Right in my face. Remember, I'm Canadian. This is the best place in the world. So I thought I should come and visit. And uh, yes, and the, the, the next biggest visitor we have from Ottawa, of course, is Eileen's mother, Eileen, she, or Liz, she keeps coming year after year. And, and it was quite a few years ago since we actually had a mission team from this church, so we are praying that maybe we would have another one coming. You know, for me, mission has been kind of like a, a journey, and it's a journey of God's faithfulness. You know, you, you go out by faith, you trust God by faith. And I cannot sit down at breakfast one day without remembering I've eaten by trusting God for 43 years on the mission field. God has provided everything, provided abundantly, beyond what I need. <laughs> and uh, God is just so faithful in all the things that he, he does for us, you know. He, people said, you know, how can you take three little kids overseas? Well, we took three over and we brought six back. And God is faithful. He blessed the family. And then he's still faithful. Every one of our children walk with Jesus. And they've all been involved in missions. And, you know, it's just a journey of faithfulness. And that's what's so encouraging. Our little church plant is just, we have a bigger church than yours. We have a bigger church than yours. But we have a smaller congregation than yours. And that isn't our church. We just rented in the afternoon from another Baptist church. Uh, there in London. But uh, we can show you a few pictures. Our church probably isn't a lot different than yours, only that God put on our hearts that we should love Muslims. We love a people group. You know, everybody in the church has different ministries. Some of you love youth work, and some of you love, uh, you know, music, and some of you love preaching. They all love something different. And God puts things on our hearts. And when Margie and I went overseas, by the way, Margie, stand up. I have a wife here, so... She doesn't ever want anybody to know she's here. So uh, when Margie and I went overseas, we had no idea what a Muslim was. You know, we grew up in a little village in Wisconsin with a thousand people, and we had no idea what the world was like. We'd never met the world. And then we went to Belgium, and then God took us to Sudan, and we began to meet the world. And God just put a love for people on our heart. And uh, it's what God is doing. God is involved. You know, it's very clear in the scripture. This is God's work. This is on God's heart. This is what God is doing. And it's just a privilege. It's really just a privilege to see what God is doing. So here's, am I standing in front of the picture? Okay, I'm okay? So 
Next. Who's doing the pictures here? Give me the next figure. Though this is just kind of what we want to do. We want to do an international church, but we want to have a heart for peoples from the uh, Middle East, uh, from Muslim countries, from Asia. This is just one of our ministries, but we're a normal church. We have people from other countries too. Next. Okay, we believe that God wants to awaken. Now, I don't know what's happened in Canada, but Britain was a, a country a few hundred years ago where everybody went to church. In fact, I think the queen made them all go to church at a particular time in history. And then the church began to empty across Britain. And then Aaron mentioned the world wars came and the church began to empty anymore. And so now we're in a period of trying to revive the church again. And amazingly, the one portion of the Anglican church has just come alive and they're replanting and rebuilding. It's starting to change. But that's after a 70-year fall in church numbers. So we've had a massive fall in Britain for many, many years. And now it's, their things are starting to revive. And like Aaron said, the biggest churches are actually ethnic churches, churches from other nationalities. The biggest church in all of England is about 7,000 people. And it's a Nigerian church. It's not a white British church. Uh, so when you think about megachurches, I don't know if you have megachurches in Canada, but I have Koreans that come and Americans that come, and they talk about 100,000 people. We have nothing like that in Britain, you know, 7,000. And actually, non-English people is the biggest church in England. So we have kind of formed together. We had a vicar call us and say, come and join us. We have the same heart. He says, I want to reinvigorate. Next slide. We want to reinvigorate. Uh, uh, next slide. I want to get to it. So we joined this uh, pastor here and his wife in the middle. They're trying to take dying Anglican churches, come in, throw away all the pews, upset everybody, bring in lively music, and uh, replant the churches. And so he's into this bringing churches back to life in the Anglican. And so he says, you're doing the same thing in a different way, and just come and join us. So we have the privilege of joining with five or six other types of churches in London, and we're basically trying to help bring England back after many, many years of uh, a really a long slide, not a good spiritual slide in Britain. So that's one of the things we're doing. I also get a chance to teach at a church planting school little church planting school in England is run by a Korean. And this Korean said, the British were the first missionaries to Korea. The first missionary, British missionary that came to Korea, we killed them on the beach when he arrived. But they helped us to rebuild. And if you know anything about South Korea today, about a quarter of the nation are real believers. Very exciting. It's a very Christian country. And he says, it's our turn to give Love back to Britain. It's our turn to help Britain again. So he set up this church planting school. That's another privilege I get to do is to help teach in this church planting school. Next. Uh, our church is built around hospitality. It's a very important part of what we do. Uh, anything, anybody you ask, if you go to the Middle East, it's just a wonderful hospitality culture. And so everything we try to get involved in is... Uh, is hospitality, creating friendships, creating a home. And, you know, when you, uh, 
try to create a home, one of the biggest compliments you can get, there's, a different, way, there's different ways you can find out in the Middle East if you're part of the culture. You know, we, like in, in Britain, we're always Americans. We kind of, and the British always talk about Americans, you know, like the Canadians do. They put us down because, and all that. And every, but every once in a while, my wife is standing in a group of uh, British women, and they start talking to, about Americans, not so positive way. And then uh, suddenly they look over and they say, oh, oh, you're not really British American anymore. And then they just carry on talking. So, <laughs> so that means that my wife has been accepted as an English person, you see. That's kind of the way cultures work. They try to figure out how to do that. Well, also in the, uh, in the Middle East culture, I remember I went to this Jordanian home for years and years, and you always go in and you shake hands, and the husband's always there, and it's very polite. They're actually Palestinian, Palestinian background people. And uh, finally, after a number of years, I actually walked in, and the wife kissed me. I knew I was family. It's just a very simple little thing, but usually you only kiss people within your own family background. It's a little issue that everything changes. You finally made the cultural change when certain things happen. Just last week in our church, uh, one of the Iranians said, oh, this is Father Randy and Mar Mother Margie. That means that finally, that other group of Iranians see us in a different way. Cross-culture is very interesting. It takes a long time to be accepted. You have to love people. You have to care for people. You have to do something to make changes and see God faithful. Next, I'm actually not paying any attention. This is just more pictures from our church, people from many different backgrounds. Aaron showed you a few of them already. Every evening, because we have an evening service, we always serve some food. We want people to stay longer. We want people to chat, have fun, become a family, become a community. So we serve. Once a month, we have a big, more international meal. Next. Just more different people from our church. You can see from a variety of different backgrounds. This is our, in front of our door as you walk into church. We have Arabic Bibles and Persian Bibles and Turkish Bibles and French Bibles and every other kind of Bible you can get. Whoever comes, we want them to be able to see Things in different languages feel acceptable in that place. Next. And here are some of the blessings that we've had over the years uh, of, of seeing people come to Christ. You know, when I first uh, went overseas, and we didn't know anything about the Muslim world. People said, you know, it's not a very good time in the Muslim world. Not many Muslims are actually finding Jesus. And so they said, you know, it may be take a long time before you actually see a Muslim who will find Jesus. And then we found that in the last 43 years, we've been in mission 43 years, everything has changed. All over the Muslim world, hundreds of thousands of Muslims have become Christians in the last 40 years. And so we're in this very exciting time of change, you know. Uh, I've baptized many people from many different backgrounds in our church, variety of Arab countries, Persians, uh, Iran, um, Afghans, Kyrgyzstan, Somalis, whole groups of different people. And that's what's wonderful about London, isn't it? Because it's that kind of place where just everybody is there and people just want to know about Jesus. Next, people are always kind of saying, well, do they really want to know about Jesus? 
And I say, yes, they actually do. You just have to talk to people. In fact, Muslims are happier to talk about God than most any European that I've ever met. And so uh, it's, it's really not as difficult. People just build up the fear in their minds. It's not that way. This is one of our men's Bible studies. Next. Uh, this shows you. I talked about the long slide of Islam away. Here's an Anglican church that's an apartment building. Here's an a brethren church, that's a Sikh temple. Here's a Baptist church. It's a Hindu temple. Britain was in a very difficult stage. And that's why it's quite exciting to be part of replanting, making new churches, seeing God work again in Britain. Next. And, of course, Britain has always been very involved with the, with the Middle East. And there's obvious Islam all over from the royal family to the streets of London. Next. Here's different uh, things that we do in the church, different activities that we get involved in in our church. There's Mickey again on the sketchboard. We, people that are live, uh, refugees who live in a big city like London, if we can organize a trip to the sea, of course, everybody's excited. We all want to get out of London and get to a nice place sometimes. Here's a book table on the street, conversations, different church meetings. Next. Uh, here's a mission team that came over. Here, it's, we just sit down and talk with people. People always say, well, what? is it complicated? Actually, you just have to be bold enough to start a conversation. That's the biggest issue. It's the same thing you do in Ottawa, isn't it? You just start a conversation with somebody. And so don't make this type of thing bigger than it actually is. Uh, I think you know these people over here in case you're interested. Next. <laughs> so... For me, everything has been this journey, and I just look through missions, and I think, oh, God has just been so faithful. And I think here, now you're building a church. What does that mean? You're expanding your church. Your God is faithful. God is doing things. God is changing things in all the world. And uh, we just want to thank you. Thank you for sending out Eileen. Thank you for sending out mission teams. Thank you even for Liz. You know, sometimes she's <laughs> difficult. <laughs> You know, she, when she shows, the first thing she does when she shows up, she takes my wife and they go for coffee. And they talk for 10 hours. I don't know what they're talking about, but it's kind of a, uh, <laughs> Eileen knows everything. So she knows what's going on. Anyhow, thank you for welcoming us. Thank you uh, for being here for Aaron and Eileen and family to have a, a church in this place. And we just appreciate your prayers for the ministry God has given us in that place. God bless you. Uh, before we close here and, and sing, just going to read Matthew 28, 19 to 20. The call is, therefore, go and make disciples of all all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And this is a wonderful part, a wonderful thing for us this morning. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I mean, we have people uh, going out all over the world. And why do they do it? Well, one, they, they get called to say right there, to go into all nations, not just the one you're comfortable with, but all nations, 
But you can do that because you know that God's going with you because he gives his presence wherever we go. So this coming week, Mark and Tracy and I will, will be in Guatemala, but the presence of the Lord will be with us as, as it is already on the ground there with compassion. The presence of the Lord's in, in England with you guys in Oasis Church and in Thailand and Vietnam. And what's so amazing about this is that the Lord has not just called us to go over wherever. The Lord's also called you to your own neighbors, to your own street, to your own co-workers. And I know that's a challenge sometimes to know exactly, especially how to do that within a work environment. But know that the call to make disciples is on each and every one of us. This wasn't just only to a certain group of people. This is a lifelong, across the board, all Christians from all nations, from all times, go and make disciples. So the challenge will be was where, you, where is your go? What does that mean for you? Where is, where is God asking you to take the gospel? So some of you, that might even be just your own family, to continue to pray as Jessica spoke this morning, talking about the power of, it feels like you're doing nothing, but you're praying. And that is actually, the, the flip side is the first thing, is, is that, and maybe the go is across the street or across the fence. Leave here this morning asking yourself, is, where is God asking me to take the gospel? And if you go, the most amazing thing is you will notice that his presence will go with you. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of Matthew 28, Lord. How you stood and one of the very last things that you would say was to tell them to go. Lord, you came down from heaven. You came to earth. You went. You went somewhere. And then you lived among them. You made friends. You walked with people. You sat with people. You ate with people. You taught people. You definitely loved people because you died for us, Lord. And so, Lord, now you've given us the call to go. And for us, it may be very different from the next person sitting beside us, but it's still a call to go. It's still a call not to, not to convert people. It actually says to make disciples. Lord, you are doing the work of, of, of drawing through your provenient grace, drawing people to yourself. And we must be faithful when asked to share the hope for which we have in you, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you'd give us opportunities. Lord, I pray that this church, we would regularly be hearing stories of people hearing opportunities to share the hope of the nations, the hope of Jesus with each and every one that we come in contact with. Lord, I pray that you be with us for the rest of this week. In your name we pray. Amen.